Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you all this morning. As Ken said, my name is Peter, Peter Todd. Two first names. Southern Manitoba, they call me Todd Peters. A few Southern Manitoba people in the house this morning. Well, it's good to see you. Uh, We have two congregations in the city here, one that meets here, one that meets down in uh, South Osborne. And uh, I'm one of the pastoral staff up here at Panet Road, and uh, it's a privilege to be able to serve you. And if you're a guest with us here today, uh, we spend some time worshipping together, and then we spend some time in the Word of God and open the Bible. We believe it's God's Word to us, still speaks to us today. It's as true as it ever was when it was written. And we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit moves when the Word is preached. And so we open our hearts to receive the Word, but also the impartation of the Holy Spirit, that God wants to do something in our lives by His power. We've been going through the book of Matthew, and a couple of weeks ago we were in Matthew 7, so today we're in Matthew chapter 8. And uh, I want to start by asking the question, who do you believe? Who do you believe? Since the um, internet has started, as you all know, uh, we have been uh, subjected to thousands upon thousands of experts telling us everything that we need to know uh, from an expert standpoint, regardless of whether they have any expertise or not, uh, but they're determined to tell us what they know. And you can find out things about anything by clicking Google and going on the internet. And you can find people saying things very strongly about how to do this and that and the other. And uh, one of the questions you have in today's culture is, well, who do you believe? Everybody sounds like an expert out there. You can go on the internet and discover that the best way to clean your car headlights is to brush them with toothpaste. So when you do your teeth in the morning, you do your car headlights at the same time. Unfortunately, um, the stuff that's in toothpaste actually makes the car headlights worse. But there it is. It's on the internet. And I don't know if it's the same site, but if you want to clean your trim in your car and the plastic trim on the outside, the leather upholstery on the inside, a really good way of doing it is creamy peanut butter. It apparently does a really good job, and it's very helpful for the, for the mice in the neighborhood. <laughs> all sorts of people have all sorts of ideas about what to do and become experts. There was a guy called Joseph in England, in, uh, in London, who uh, set up a website and uh, put on the website that he had a doctorate in biophysics, and uh, then he proceeded to uh, get customers. He said that he uh, had a private laboratory that was government-owned, and he served the Queen, and he served Barack Obama, and he served various other um, special people, uh, and he'd been serving them for a number of years. But he also said he occasionally um, served ordinary people as well, which was nice of him. And so you could come to him, and he would help you out with things. So there was one couple in Hartford who went through all sorts of bizarre things that they had done to them to, to cure them for everything from uh, to keep them from heart attacks and strokes and blindness and cancer and all sorts of things. Finally, he um, wrongly diagnosed the man with pancreatic cancer, told them not to go and get a second opinion. And by the time it had been found out that this guy was who he said he was, uh, this particular couple had spent over 160,000 Canadian dollars and given that to him. He was sent to jail for four years for uh, fraudulent activity. He didn't have one paper of medical certification. But if he put it on the internet, it looked good. And people thought that was it. Uh, So who do you believe? 
How do you know who to believe? That was the question that the people who were listening to Jesus were asking by the time he'd finished the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7. He'd been preaching to them and they said at the end, this man speaks like nobody else. He speaks with an authority. He doesn't speak like our scribes and our rulers. We have all these other people telling us things. This man sounds as if he knows what he's talking about. But just because he sounds as if he knows that he's talking about, does he really know what he's talking about? A lot of people on the internet sound as if they know what they're talking about. But do they really know? Do they really have the expertise? And that was their question. And so the Holy Spirit takes us straight into Matthew chapter 8. And in Matthew chapter 8, we see Jesus not just speaking about authority and teaching, but actually working it out in real people's lives. And we begin to discover that he's not just knows what he's talking about, but he can do what he's talking about. And he has the authority not just to speak into our lives from a distance, but actually to change our lives and do it up close and personal. So let's read what Matthew tells us about Jesus' journey and the authority that he was showing as he went. We're going to read through Matthew chapter 8. It's going to be on the screen behind me if you don't have a Bible. And I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. And there's some great stories in this, so we're just going to read through the whole chapter. I'm not going to um, preach about every part of it, but we'll read through it all because there's some great stories in here. So this is from verse 1. When he came down the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he had entered Capernaum, A centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. He said to him, I will come and heal him. Centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you under my roof. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. To the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the centurion was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. And now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. 
And they went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. He said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? And when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. Behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. He said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that in your word is everything that we need for life and for godliness. I thank you, Lord, that you lead us by your word. And I pray you would speak to us now. Lord, through this passage that we've read, Holy Spirit, we just give you free reign to come and speak to us, speak through me, speak to me. And Lord, I pray you would share your heart with us. What is it that you want to say with us this morning? Your servants are listening to obey you today. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus set about proving that his words really did have authority by doing what he'd been saying. And wherever he walked, his authority came, as you know, not just in words, but in deeds. It wasn't something he just knew. It was something he did and something he acted in. And these people around Jesus had never seen authority like this before. They'd seen centurions who could oversee hundreds of soldiers. They'd seen the Roman governor of the region who oversaw the entire region and the authority that he had in that region. And he could say this to this person and that to this person. This person will live. This person will die. And whatever he said would come to pass. It wasn't that they hadn't seen and heard people of authority. They had just never heard and seen someone like this with this sort of authority. Because he didn't just come to crush people. He didn't just come to uh, manipulate people, to make people do what he wanted to do. He had a, a much greater purpose in coming. And the authority that he used, he used in a different way from any other type of authority that had been used that they understood before. Because his authority was used to set people free and to transform communities. He came to release people, not to bind people. He came to help them to run as we were singing right out of their graves rather than to hold them captive to whatever the person who was in charge wanted them to do. Jesus came to set us free and he came to free us and our communities around us. So his words didn't just come as intellectual ideas. Wasn't the greatest teacher that was around. He was more than that. His words had power and when he spoke things happened and change things right to the very core and the depth of what needed to be changed. So let's just take a look at what happened in this chapter in chapter 8. And let's pick it apart for us this morning. 
I want to talk about three different things about receiving and recognizing the authority of Jesus. How important it is to receive and recognize that authority and what it means for us and for the communities that we live in. So first of all, the rewards of receiving and recognizing the authority of Jesus. Then secondly, the results of not receiving. What happens if we decide to ignore this, to ignore who Jesus is? What happens then? The results of not recognizing and receiving the authority of Jesus. And then finally, why do people not receive Jesus then? What are the reasons people have for not receiving that authority and recognizing into their lives? First of all, the rewards of recognizing and receiving the authority of Jesus. All the way through this chapter, there are a number of different scenarios that get worked out. And you see what happens to people when they receive and recognize the authority of Jesus in their lives. And they are amazing things. Put a list up here on the screen behind you with the verses that tell you where I got that from. I'm not going to go through them all this morning, but just highlight them for you. Maybe highlight one or two. Purity, acceptance, and wonderful restoration. This leper came to Jesus and he knew what he really needed. He didn't ask him to cure him of his leprosy. He asked him to make him clean. When you and I come to Jesus for the first time and we get around the holiness of God, we realize how desperately in need of cleansing we are. That we are in need of a savior from our sin. And from the darkness that is in our hearts. And thank you, Father, that he sent a savior into the world. And his name is Jesus. And there is no one else in this planet who can get you clean of your guilt and your shame. And the ugliness that you feel inside. All of us have felt that way at different times. Most of us in this room have come and received and recognized the authority of Jesus in our lives. And he, like he spoke to this leper, has spoken healing and cleansing into our lives. We go to sleep with a clear conscience every night because the blood of Jesus washes us from every stain. Can you make me clean? That might be your prayer this morning. God, can you make me clean? Do you know how ugly I really am? Listen to the voice of the authority of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords this morning. I am willing. Be clean. You can reach out and receive it this morning. We'll show you how later on. Purity, acceptance, and wonderful restoration. He comes to the centurion. And what does he release to the centurion? Through that authority, he releases power to heal from a distance the servant who is ill. He affirms him and who he is, gives him a wonderful affirmation. And he promises him eternal satisfaction. Jews wouldn't be seen in a Gentile's house. Never mind a centurion's house. This is like the worst type of oppressor. You wouldn't be seen in his house. Jesus said, I'll come to your house. Jesus isn't bothered. I don't know what sort of houses we think in our city, what sort of places we think uh, we shouldn't be in there. Well, Jesus wasn't bothered because there's people in there. And people need to hear the good news. And he was quite happy to go into that place, regardless of what other people said about him. I'll come, he said. No, no, you don't need to come. Just speak the word. I'm a man under authority. I know how this thing works. If I speak to my servant, say, go over there, and there's a platoon of soldiers over there, and I want them to do something, I just send my servant. I don't have to go to the platoon of soldiers. They get the job done. You just speak the word, and my servant will be healed. Jesus says, whoa, I haven't seen this sort of faith in the whole of Israel. You know what's going to happen? He says, this is wonderful. 
He says, many are going to come from the east and the west and the north and the south. Some of them are in our building today. And they're going to sit down and have supper with Abraham. Yes. And Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God. A Jew can't be in a Gentile's house. We're all going to be together in God's house. Amen. Healing, deliverance, and community transformation. Jesus spends the night at Andrew, Peter, and Simon's house. Andrew and Simon Peter's house. Heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. The word gets out. Everybody comes from miles around. One night. I wonder if you've thought about what it would feel like to be in that community the next morning. An entirely different community. A transformed community. No sick people lying on their beds at the street corners. No blind people begging. No broken people pulling around their crippled legs and trying to find a place to set up for the day so they can maybe catch a a piece of bread. Why? Because Jesus doesn't just speak authority. He is authority. And he has authority. And when he comes, he transforms a community. And he transforms the place upside down. He can do it in one night. He can change an entire community one night. And you know how much transformation our city needs. Jesus has the authority to transform it. We just need to receive and recognize that authority. And see that authority flow through us into the land around us. But don't give up looking for community and transformation and what God is doing because God is going to do some amazing things in our land. Jim and Jackie, saw you come in this morning. I'm glad you're here. The Lord says to you, don't give up. Don't give up. I saw you wheeling a wheelbarrow into your area downtown and it was empty. And you were thinking, I don't have anything to give these people. And the Lord says, I'm going to fill your barrow. I'm going to fill your barrow. You've looked to other people for your strength. You've looked to other people for your resources. Now see what I will do, says the Lord Most High. Because I love those people that you're reaching. I care about them. And I've put put you there. And you've been faithful in all that I have called you to do, says the Lord. Do not give up. Because I am coming in power and authority and I'm going to work through you and with you into your community and you are going to see the transformation that your hearts have dreamed of. Keep wheeling your barrow and let the Lord fill it. Community transformation. Jesus has the power and authority to turn our province upside down in a word. And he wants to do it through you and through me. Peace, calm, and increased revelation. These disciples out in a boat and they think the whole world, they're, they're used to being out in the sea. They're used to being in this boat. They're, they're more, they've got better sea legs than Jesus does. But he's asleep and they're terrified. The storm is so big, my boat's going to sink. I wonder if you're there this morning. If you've got Jesus in your boat then whatever may happen, he's going to look after you. 
And he speaks to the wind and the waves and the, the apostles are beginning, the disciples are beginning to get used to seeing some amazing things that are just absolutely awestruck. You know, you can have walked with Jesus for 40 years and he can still make your jaw drop. You can think you've seen enough everything. But we haven't seen much, have we, of what Jesus of Nazareth can do. Wow, who is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Finally, freedom, relief, and amazing redemption. These two demoniacs. I remember John Mick preaching about this a number of years ago. Thousands and thousands of negative thoughts going through your brain every day. Depressing and guilt and and shame and and just crushing you and pushing you down. You can't look other people in the eye and whatever. And so it just bottles out in huge rage. And this is what's happened to these guys. And they take it out on anybody and everybody around them. Do you know what that feels like? You might not destroy your neighborhood uh, like these guys do. Maybe some of you have punched a hole in a wall once in a while. Do you know what it's like to live with thousands and thousands of negative words flying through your head? It's pretty horrible. I can imagine for some people it must be terrible. There's lots of very good doctors out there who can help. There's lots of very good things that can be done. But nobody can do for you what Jesus of Nazareth can do for you. And with a word, he can bring your mind to peace. He's done it to me. I believe he can do it for you. Because his authority is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Those are the wonderful rewards of receiving and recognizing the authority of Jesus Christ. Amazing rewards. So what happens if we don't? What are the results of not receiving and recognizing the authority of Jesus? Let me give you a few things very quickly here. Because they're in our passage before us. First of all, Jesus says this. He says, people who don't receive and recognize my authority are going to be left in outer Darkness. This is what it says in verse 11 and 12. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. That sounds good. While the sons of the kingdom, these he's talking about, the Jewish people who should have been the people who received Jesus as their Messiah, the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is real. Jesus said so. It actually doesn't really matter what we think about it. Jesus says it's real. And he says it's a place of outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You take that away and think about that. What would cause you to weep and gnash teeth? This Wednesday, there's going to be a gathering uh, uh, down at the ledge um, of, of people talking about the missing, uh, missing children from Manitoba. Uh, And just gathering to try and make some sort of sense about it. These people who've lost their children are hurting. Precious people. And their kids just disappear. They don't know where they are. But they know it's not good. They're either dead or they're trafficked or something bad's happened to their life. And they're desolate. They're utterly desolate and broken. And they weep and you watch them on the television. and, And Jesus' heart breaks for people like that. It moves him. They're weeping and gnashing of teeth because what they had has been lost and and they're thinking they may never see that again. You know, hell 
Whatever else hell is, it's the utter desolation of realizing that everything you had that was precious is gone. And you will never be able to get it back. You wouldn't wish hell on your worst enemy. I was thinking about this this week as I was preparing for this. You know, you, some of these movies, you know, the cowboy westerns and whatever, and they think it's all cool, the cool, you know, the big guy goes, ah, you know, go to hell or whatever. And you think, that is the most horrible phrase you can possibly imagine. I don't even listen to that phrase. Never mind, have it on my tongue. Go, go to hell? Why would anybody want anybody to go to hell? But that's what's going to happen to people who don't receive and recognize the authority of Jesus. That might be you today. I want to encourage you. Because Jesus, Jesus didn't want anybody to go to hell. He wasn't willing that any would perish. But he wanted everybody to say, be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus died so you wouldn't have to go to hell. I want to encourage you to receive and recognize the authority of Jesus in your life. It's not just Jesus, I want you to save me from my sins. But I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Secondly, if you don't receive and recognize the authority of Jesus, you'll be left in your problems. Probably longer than necessary. The leper would still be a leper. Centurion would still have a sick servant. Oh, well, no, they'd been dead by now. But the centurion's servant would not have got well. The people in that neighborhood around Simon Peter's home, there wouldn't have been a transformed neighborhood. The demoniacs would not have been freed and the disciples would probably have been at the bottom of the lake. That's what happens when you don't receive and recognize the authority of Jesus. And it can happen to Christians. You know how many times, sometimes as a pastor, you have to, you spend time with folks and, and, and they leave your office and you, you have this heavy heart because you know that this person could be free of what they are in. Their marriage could be healed. Their lives could be turned around. You know what Jesus can do, but they will not receive and recognize the authority of Jesus. And so they're going to walk away and stay in whatever they were, and it will not change until they submit themselves, get on their knees before the Lord of heaven and earth and say, Lord Jesus, you are going to have authority in my life. You can say what you want to say. You can, you can do what you want to do, and I'm just going to be a yes person to you. That's how to get healed. That's how to heal your marriages. That's how to heal your families. That's how to see transformation in your neighborhood. It starts with us saying, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord, my Savior. I want your authority to be in my own life. And then it flows out to other people. You get left with your problems longer than necessary. And finally, you can get left without Jesus at all. The Gadarees tried to get rid of him altogether. The wonderful thing is they didn't quite manage it. They put him on the boat this once, but a few chapters later, he's back. Because it's a bit more difficult to get rid of the shepherd of love than just by saying, Jesus, I don't want to have anything more to do with you. There's a, probably a number of us in this room that have said that to Jesus over the years. And you're still here. Why? Because you got it all right? No. Because Jesus didn't take no for an answer. He didn't take no for an answer with these folks either. He came back. But you don't want to keep pushing Jesus out of your life. So given that the rewards of recognizing and receiving the authority of Jesus is so amazing, given that the results of not recognizing and receiving the authority of Jesus are so horrible, why doesn't everybody do it? Why doesn't the whole world say, Jesus, be our Lord? Can you imagine how amazing our world would be if that was going to happen? That's what heaven's going to be. It's going to be full of people who said, Jesus, you're our Lord.
It would be amazing, wouldn't it? Why do people not do it? Well, the Holy Spirit through Matthew gives us three reasons here in the scriptures. And I just want to finish by touching on these as we close. Because these can be the difference between God transforming and changing things in our lives and God maybe being savior and doing things in our lives. Maybe we get to heaven by the skin of our teeth, but we don't see the transformation in our lives that Jesus wanted to bring. This could be the difference. So listen up. First reason is this. He said, people don't follow me because there's no guarantee of creature comforts if you follow me. In fact, there's going to be some discomfort that's guaranteed. When the scribes said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said this, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. The son of man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. If you follow me, you do not know from one day to the next where you're going to be sleeping. You could be in a palace. You could be down on the ground with a rock for a pillow. You have no idea. You can be in your own home bed, a nice warm bed. You can be in a prison cell, as many people are around the world today, because they have received and recognized the authority of Jesus. Well, that should keep you out of prison cells, shouldn't it? Well, no, actually it sends some people to the prison cell. But Jesus is there with them in a powerful way. There's no guarantee of creature comforts. Secondly, there's no guarantee of closeness to your family. You know, we can be in danger of making some things idols that are very good things. Family is a God thing. But family can become an idol, you know. If we exalt family above the purposes of God. And if we want God to move in our families and into our children and into our homes and our neighborhoods around us, then we need to receive and recognize the authority of Jesus over our families. We were talking a little earlier about our global workers. One of our couples, Roly and Christina Grenier, are doing a terrific job of training up indigenous missionaries from Ghana in Africa. And they're going out all over the place in Africa, taking the gospel of Jesus. It's a wonderful work they're doing. But it's costing them. We asked them this week to give us an email update for our prayer summit so that we could pray for them. This was their, one of the points from their update. Yesterday afternoon, this is just this week. Yesterday afternoon, we received the news that Christina's father passed away. The funeral is today. So she has been writing, calling, chatting with everyone back home. It has been harder than she expected to receive this news so far away and see pictures, so many of the family together at the wake, etc. And she is not there. It's tough sometimes to follow Jesus. Some of you have made those sacrifices. Some of us know what that feels like. I never did get a chance to say a personal goodbye to my grandparents. They all died without me there. Do I regret it? No. Would I like to have been there? Yes. Does it hurt that I wasn't? Yes. But do I regret it? No. Why? Because Jesus told me to be here. That settles it for me. And Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, we, we, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus said to him, well, anybody who leaves everything to follow me will not fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, never mind the age to come. I got out of this deal a family that I never knew I had. 
you're sitting in front of me. And this is where Jesus has placed me. Having Jesus' authority recognized and received in our lives can cost us sometimes. But if we exalt our family above the purposes of God, that will not go well for us. And it will not go well for our children. And I want to encourage you, young parents particularly, think about that. Think about the sort of home that you have. The kids are important, but they're not number one. Jesus is number one, right? Thirdly, there's absolutely no guarantee of staying in control if you receive and recognize the authority of Jesus. In fact, it's absolutely guaranteed that you will lose control. Why? Well, because that's what authority means. I used to have control of my life. I used to decide when I came and when I went, when I got up, when I lay down. I used to decide who I talked to and how I talked to them. I used to decide what I ate. I used to decide where I went. But now Jesus is the Lord of my life, and that is all changed. Because that's what happens when Jesus becomes Lord. Jesus decides now what goes on in my life. Jesus has control. He can tell me what to do. He can tell me where to go. He can tell me who to speak to. Isn't, isn't that what it means to have Jesus as Lord? That's what it means. I don't know which university course to take. This one's going to get me more money. This one's going to... Wait a minute. What does Jesus say? I want you to go into nursing. I don't want to go into nursing. I've never wanted to go into nursing. I want you to go into nursing. I don't want to go Why nursing? Well... However many years later you discover that God has a call for you to another nation or somewhere where that nursing is going to be an absolute opening for the gospel. And you wouldn't even have taken the course. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know where God's going to take us. Trying to plot our future without asking Jesus how to do it is like trying to get to California without a map. You just go somewhere in the hope that you're going to get there. Right? This is what it means to receive and recognize the authority of Jesus in our lives. And you will lose control. Some of the situations you get in, they can be pretty scary. The scribe never did get in the boat. The disciples did. And within an hour or so, they were totally out of their comfort system. They might never see their family again. And they were totally out of control. But Jesus was in the boat. And he has all authority in heaven and earth. And he knew how to bring peace to that situation. Nobody else could. Listen, the rewards of receiving and recognizing the authority of Jesus are absolutely incredible for this life and for the life to come. They're worth whatever price of entry we have to get into it. But it's good to face those costs every now and again. It's good to do a reassessment. God wants to do things through us this fall. God wants to do things in our neighborhoods and in our communities. He wants to do things through you. If you knew what God wanted to do through you, you would get up with a spring in your step every morning. I would. If I could just get my mind around what God wants to do with me today. God has amazing plans for what he wants to do with all of us. 
And I just believe it's time at the beginning of this new season, at the beginning of this new year, to say, okay, Lord, we want the benefits of all of that. We want to see our lives transformed. We want to see our families, Lord, transformed. We want to see our neighbors come to know you. We want to see these dear folks upstairs come to a real understanding and knowledge of the truth. We want this community to be transformed. Lord, here we are, October the 1st, 2017. Would you start with me? Lord, where am I holding on to things that is not allowing your authority to flow into my life and through me in the way that you want it to? Would you reveal that to me and give me the grace to repent? Because you can't repent of that without help from the Holy Spirit. You can't grit your teeth and say, oh yeah, I'm going to be out of control and it's going to be great. It doesn't work like that. You need the Holy Spirit to help you to do what you can't do by yourself. But it ushers us into a life with Jesus, which is at a whole other level. I believe Jesus wants to take us to a whole other level. Amen. Amen.